Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. And brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by the Gokong Wei Group, the same companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific and many more. GoTime Bank makes next-level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. For me, it was always being consistent. Idealism through being consistent. If you commit that to me, make sure that you deliver something like that. And being consistent. That yes, you can take your pauses in between. That's fine. There's no problem in that. But you have to be consistent wherein if you're needed, you should be there, you should show up, and you should deliver. Those are the things that I really hold very dear to me. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beit Yong. 
Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. And again, this is another back-to-back episode that Mr. Paul Pageman Paho has uh, endorsed to me. So the last one was another Paul, Paul Suleiman. And again, you don't say no to Pageman. That's basically the moral lesson of the thing. Paul Paho says, you should interview this guy. I will interview that guy because, again, there's a person that I respect. There's only a few out there. It's Paul. So again, shout out to Pageman for this recommendation. But without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Emma Navalan of Tetrix. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Yeah, pleasure to be here. There's a, a lot of things that I want to unpack today because, again, there's, there's Tetrix, there's Viridian Technologies, and there's Pitaka. I'm a little confused, and later on, we will be shedding some light because I'm not sure what, what you guys are building, but I'm pretty sure, again, you guys are doing some amazing shit just because Paul Baha said it. That's it. So without further ado, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Emin, what's your hustle? Well, yeah, I'm just building passion projects in Web3. So that's really my kind of a hustle, creating solutions that are really going to change lives, especially a legacy for me and my family. For the kids to remember. Yeah. There you go. What an amazing answer. Such very presidential. Okay, so 2028, <laughs> you know who to forget. <laughs> no, no, no. Vote for President Eman Navalan. All right, not, no, but that's a great thing. It's a little vague, but I want to go deep down. Why Web3? I mean, there's a lot of people that are trying to do Web3, blockchain. I, I don't know what the fuck it's called now. It's been there for a while, but I want to understand how you got there. But before how you got there, I need you to buckle up real quick because before you started doing Web3, I need to unearth first how you started hustling. So I need you to buckle up real quick because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. Oh, there you go. All right. So obviously, I am biased towards uh, my fellow Tomashans. Right? Oh. Uh, I'm a Thomasian, bro. That's what it is. Amazing. Amazing. Yep. High go school stay. and college. Go stay. There you go. The Pitan, Pinobal, Laxon, and España, and all the other freaking shit. I, I, eight years of my life. And I always flex this. So obviously, you won't, won't be able to see it. If you're a Thomasian, I have the Arch of the Centuries <laughs> on my desk yeah. every single day to remind me of my roots. Proud Thomasian. And I always do that. But before you became a Thomasian, I want to understand first. The origin story. What was it like growing up? And who were your very first role models in hustling? I want to understand the origin story before you even started. What are the earliest hustles you remember doing? Yeah, well, when I was still studying, or growing up rather, my parents used to be OFWs. So oh, we're actually where did they work? left here in Oman, Middle East. Oman. My uncle used to work in Oman as well. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, he was uh, God, but it's in the medical system. But again, he they they always say that Oman. He always says that it's a great country, but not a lot of things have changed in Oman for for yes. where it, it still it still looks and feels the same. <laughs> yes, from what it was. Okay, so I mean, it, what what's it like having both parents work in overseas to provide for the family? Yeah, well, I was born there. That's first. Oh, you did. So, okay, perfect. Yeah, I was born there. And I grew up uh, and studied there until I was grade six. What? Okay. And then, 
since the curriculum is there, uh, different there, no, they asked me to do my high school studies here mm. in the Philippines. So I would learn Filipino. And I would also change my accent from British to actual American oh, English. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. I, I have all of those weird accents. When I was growing up, uh, I was trying to mimic Indians and wow. <laughs> Europeans and, and so on because I was really studying there with, with, with them. And yeah, well, well, growing up, I was left with my grandmother and a few aunts, mm-hmm. right? And they really helped me understand that life is really about uh, adjusting. Yes. So it was a really big adjustment for me because I was really with my family for the longest time when I started. And being in high school, it's really, there's this very big gap. And I, I feel there's, there's this culture shock in me that it's really totally different. Right. Right. So my Filipino was really not that good. Mm. I don't even know how to write. Whoa! So you did you did you you write Arabic back then? Uh, I was taught the basics. Wow! Yeah, it was part of the the curriculum there. Mm -hmm. But here, um, I just wrote whatever you know. I I feel writing like this could be the spelling (laughs) for this word, whatnot. So yeah, yeah. So that's how how my life. Shukran, shukran po. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, shukran. (laughs) Well, that was an experience. uh, Like that was a big adjustment for me. And I think that really shaped me in terms of you know adjusting to different circumstances, and that really paved a huge uh, way for me to to actually grow doing what I do now. But my inspiration at the time was really my parents, you know? my mom taking care of the family there, of course. Aside from my dad really working hard, because in in the Middle East it's it's really different. How different? We know that it's a desert, you know. Yep. Uh, and if you're working there, you tend to drive 100 kilometers just to work and go back just for a few hours and move to another place that's 100 kilometers again out of the city and go back and it's desert yeah there are mountains yes but there are really no people to help you out once anything happens there so it's really an environment where it's a bit secluded but at the same time everything was there everything was cheap and it's not easy i've gotten a chance to go to Riyadh, saudi arabia last year when there was a podcast conference, I was talking to Arabs and, and Saudis. 95% of them didn't speak English. So, oh my God. <laughs> and being a Filipino, I was being labeled as, oh, kabayan, kabayan. Because most of the Filipinos there are, again, OFWs, right? So, yeah. why is this freaking Filipino all of a sudden talking about podcasting? So, it's weird. But to just to really just show how different I had a freaking culture shock not not a culture shock it's more like man the desert is different it's dry so i us here we're used to having hot but it's humid you get sweaty a lot yeah there it's not it's hot but you don't sweat sweat yeah that's true oh my god what i didn't know how to process that and then at night is so dry that cool. you know i wake up in the middle of the night and i need to drink because i'm that's thirsty true. as hell and then for some weird reason, every morning my nose would bleed. What the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah. Imagine that's in a nice fancy hotel that I was in. Imagine the hustle that you're gonna have to go through, driving hundreds of kilometers in an arid desert to make ends meet. Dude, I have nothing but respect for those people that work, especially the OFWs in the Middle East. It is fucking hard. 
What were those things aside from them working hard that are instilled to you today? Uh, well, honestly, it's totally different when you become an OFW or you experience life of, of families of OFWs who have lived there. Mm-hmm. Because there's really this, I would say, it's like their family there. Yeah, you know, it's it's totally different. Because when you go back to the Philippines, no, parang you don't even know them anymore. That's how you feel. No, uh, it's totally different because there, it's really all the bayanihan happens there. Correct. Everybody helps each other because they know that they have to rely on each other. They have mm-hmm. to protect each other. They have to be there for each other because everybody's really working hard for their families and loved ones. And, I appreciated that. And I wanted that same type of uh, culture in, in everything that I do. Nice. I felt that need for that because it's easier that way, right? Mm-hmm. People helping each other. Everything's light, simple, easy, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it really changed when I was here. It's like, yeah, yeah we, you have to live your life on your own. And yeah. it's a bit westernized. Mm-hmm. And people tend to focus on material things rather yeah. than, you know, relationships. Right. Yeah, it was really different. I want to jump into your ability to adapt. So again, coming from Middle Eastern upbringing all the way to grade school, and you're going to have to do this. I went through a similar process, but it's very localized. I came from a, a non-traditional school. We didn't have uniforms. There's only three subjects a day. And then I go to UST for high school. Fucking culture shock. All of a sudden, all the subjects are a day. I have to wear uniform. I, and you have to stand up, little things like that. But in hindsight, I was able to adapt because every year that I went through it, and up until college, I had different classmates. So I knew how to adapt. It. Until now, I basically, that's the superpower I developed there. I remember I never became a class president until college, but they always gave me the freaking title of PRO. Public relations <laughs> officer. Because I'm always Mr. Chandit. I have friends in other sections and all that, which technically I still do now. Some random people now that, that I just and, and ended up turning now into a podcast. I get to build that connection. But I was doing this since high school, but I only was able to develop it because I was I learned to adapt very early in my life. How did you adapt when all of a sudden you're uprooted from what you got used to and now you have to thrive and figure it out on your own, especially with not having your parents around, but just your Lola and your titos and titas. I just made sure that I made friends anyways. That's the first thing you do. In any place that you go, if you know you're going there alone, first thing you do is make friends. How right? did you make friends? What was your MO? It was really like approaching people. That's one. Mm. When you approach people, because don't expect them to approach you anyways. <laughs> like, yes. They have, have their own thing the going move. around. Yeah. You wanted to adopt. You want to understand what's happening, right? So you, you have to uh, do the first the first move anyway. Mm. So uh, it was really that. I just, I, I'm a shy person. I'm not really the person who goes around, hey, how are you doing? That's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not that. What's up? Yeah. There you go. But growing up here, I developed that. Mm. And I think it was during college that I was able to do the same. And in fact, I also became the class president. In there you go. <laughs> my first year. Your first oh, year. Oh, you did. Uh, me, third year. My first year. I was still an idiot in, the, so, in my first year. So it was really- Yeah, but uh, mm. yeah, I was, I was an idiot back then. Mm. It was really just another adjustment, right? From mm. junior school. I was not commuting at the time because my parents would like, 
you don't know how to cross traffic la- uh, lanes okay. and, and you, you don't know how to cross uh, the, the yeah. roads. And all of a sudden, you get thrust into UST and nobody fucking not commutes. Everybody commutes in UST. Yes. And in fact, uh, another problem there was a flooding. Yep, you learn like how to you swim. You have to find your way home. <laughs> you have to find your way home. What was your route? What was your route? What I do is... Uh, Where did you live at that point before? It was it was Antipolo. It was oh Antipolo. my God. So you're LRT to, to, to LRT, LRT Legarda. Oh yeah. my God. So if I know it's raining na, nauna na ako muwi. I'm going to go home. No, but there are times up. that I couldn't. Yeah, there are a lot you have of to go to España. Take either a jeep or a tricycle or all that freaking balik-balik route, and then you have to go all the way to Legarda. Was that your only way, or else you have you go to, to go Recto. take the yeah, and that's worse. Yes, you're, that you're gonna be competing with every other student that goes to that place. And, yeah. Oh my god, not funny. Okay, so now UST. Obviously, I'm hella biased because I'm at the Mashin through and through high school and college, eight years of my life. Who I am now was forged in UST. What what did college life teach you? Because you studied civil engineering? Yeah. Okay, too many dudes there. Not enough girls. You have to go to Eduk to look at the girls. <laughs> too many. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sausage party in, in the engineering building. <laughs> yeah, you, you have CPHM at the side with the Eduk. Yeah, I know. So, but so. inside <laughs> your building, just too many nah. dudes. 80 20 yeah, easy yeah. and the 20 percent aren't aren't the hottest girls either too so what was that like uh studying in in usc college of engineering it was great because um there's this some kind of culture with engineering students there's something that's going on like when they go outside like when we go outside yeah. rather yeah. when we go have our lunch we go in packs you see you see us yeah. going like in groups right yeah like in other At colleges least a group of five Minimum. Yes, minimum. And they're loud, you know, we're loud, we're, we're just enjoying because we know that when we get back to the office, uh, the school rather, it's a total different, you know, scenario. You just be quiet there and listen. And, no, you, you know, know, what's that excitement? Study. Seeing other women. Because you don't get that's to one, see that's one. <laughs> And you're all you're guys anyway. There you go. Oh my God. That's another thing, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's true, man. I got I got friends everywhere. All right, I got friends in Ang. I got friends in the weirdos in CPAD. I got friends yeah. in the main building. Right, even in IPA, I have freaking friends there too. So, oh, that's amazing. But what may me ask you? Like, what mm-hmm. what was your course back then? In, in, I was commerce, entrepreneurship. Oh, oh, tapunan. Okay, so no, that was, no, you're in the pita. <laughs> ng ganda ng place na yon. Like, I know. Easy, I mean, easy to I was a smoker back then. There's a lot of hot girls in AV and in commerce. So I got my fair share. Okay. You guys are just a lot of scarcity in terms of women. <laughs> it was all sausage, you know, even our chairs. Yeah. Everything was drawn like sausages. <laughs> okay, let's before this becomes a USD podcast, I want to understand now after graduating. Now, first of all, you took civil engineering, so there's a board exam. What was that hustle of a civil engineering student? Well, uh, first and foremost, when you get to our um, major years, yeah. third year, fourth year, and fifth year, it was really a totally different environment. And in fact, I'm not that bright in my first and second years, mm-hmm. and even the third year, because I was not really focusing on studying at that time. <laughs> I was really just enjoying <laughs> playing Dota, going around, okay, okay. going around with friends. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. fact. 
there were times where in with, with my group during Valentine's, we go around play our ukulele and sing to those girls out there. <laughs> even go to different yeah, we, we even went to different uh, school buildings and you know wow. just skate trash some of the classrooms and ask people if you could sing for them. Right. Okay. We weren't even talented. Like we, we okay. had a guy who knows how to play. Ukulele. You just had the guts. The guts, yeah. Okay. It was an experience with my friends that I actually treasured because it really allowed me to be more vocal. Mm. Right. And during that time when I was doing my major in years, I was really forced to becoming more adaptive to circumstances that are, you know, that are fast yeah. or instantaneous. Like Flood, there's flood, do something, go mm. home. How do you do it, right? Um, mm. There's an exam, you have to get this grade. How do you do it? Like gotcha. that, it was really like very fast. Mm. You have to pivot here, pivot there, do your stuff here, do your stuff there. It was really it. just just different. And during the majoring years, it was actually, it, it, that's when I realized the importance of being a civil engineer. But most people don't understand this and they tend to forget that, you know, when you compare civil engineering to other engineering, or I would say other professions, mm. you actually have to make sure that you do the right job. Mm. Because let's compare this to a scenario we're in. Um, it's it's someone's uh, fatality. Na lang, no? right? mm. We talk about the fatality. Yeah, we're talking about we hundreds compare, of lives. Yeah. We compare the work of a doctor. Nothing to say that doctors are not good or not. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just comparing the magnitude of the responsibility for a structure, if the structure fails, even though you're 100 engineers, yeah. you would kill that much number of people. Maybe. Yeah. We can't even count. Yep. And the damages are really high compared right. to a, a doctor. So that's what really struck me, that I have to take my profession seriously. right? So it also allowed me to understand that in anything that I do, I have to give my best. Got it. All right. So now you're, you're, you turned that switch to being... Understood the magnitude of what you're trying to build. Now, walk me through college, the boards, and what was the first few jobs you took? And how did you then channel all of the skills that you've been able to do? So obviously, the skill stack, you're already makapalang mo ka, so that's good, right? Uh, that's a very good skill stack because that's also the baseline of my skill stack here, right? But what are the other skills that you developed over time after college? Yeah, so after college, when I was studying, uh, well, the first thing that happened uh, that's very vital to me was my dad's passing after my graduation. Oh, no. I'm sorry about this. Yeah. So it really inspired me to do good in the board exams. So I really studied, you know, focused on that. Like it was really laser focused on passing the board exam because I really need to work. Because some of my siblings are still studying and I felt the need for me to step up as someone who already graduated, right? My mom didn't even pressure me. Nobody did, right? But it's really just me yeah. doing my thing because I feel responsible. So it really changed from, from me being carefree from to something like that yeah. instantaneously again. So during the process of doing my uh, studies for the board exam, my review, three days before the exam, it was the uh, November exam. I was admitted to hospital. It was what? painful. Yeah. So these are, you know, my my the, the little challenges yeah. that, that really for what me. for dengue. Oh my god! So this Three is this is hard. The... Holy shit! So if you, if you're diagnosed with dengue, you cannot go. No. So how did you? You do have it? to stay in hospital. 
I wasn't able to even take the exam. You had to wait time. again. So I had to wait for the oh, next exam that was due in May. I was really prepared for that exam. So it was really hard for me at the time. I really processed that feeling. Yeah. That why wasn't it given to me? Why was mm. it I able to take the exam and whatnot, right? Mm. Uh, so for three months after that, I didn't study. Okay. I, 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 funny thing is I was really confident. Okay. That, you know, even if it's me, I can do it. Oh. But then two months before the exam, mm. when I was trying to compute again, mm. using my calculator, practicing the speed and whatnot, it became hard because, you know, Holy for shit. three months, I stopped yeah, really computing with the calculator. Mm. So, so it really, uh, I was really slow mm. compared to how I used to be when I was preparing for the November exam. So two months isn't enough to recall everything because we had like three different subjects right once math everything math so it's like summarize everything for algebra to the end that's a note for me that's on yeah and then, but I, that's, that's where i draw the line okay yeah and then we have these physics and talk about studying about water and earth and yeah whatnot. that's yeah. another one so yeah. that's like okay another topic and another thing to do and third is of course uh, the usual like designing and stuff right, right? and that's that's hard because as you see civil engineering, it really is about different verticals, right? You can be, you can focus on water, you can, you can focus on, on earth or on soil, yep. right? You can focus on designing, you can focus on surveying, means yep. roads, designing. What, so those are different professions and you're trying to study all of the basics. Yep. So what I learned there was really to simplify things, mm. right? Because there was a way for engineers to derive formulas from basic formulas. So it's like you have this big formulas, but it came from this small formula. So you can do it if you understand how it works. Got it. So that's when I, I also started to go deep into understanding the nitty-gritty. And this is very important when we talk about you know how I came here to the blockchain yeah. space. Yeah. Because I became very uh, detailed as a person, like, oh, this is how it should be. This Yep. These are the things that I need to know. So these were the basis of this formula. And now I understand why it's needed and why it's actually being used. Got Something it. like that. And how can I use this in other forms? But how did you work on the speed? Because of course, it's great. You you went zoomed in all the way to the bottom and understand the etymology of every single thing. But you still need the reps to right. become speed. And walk us through what's the ending. Did you... Get it the first try? Did you have to try again? What was that like? It was amazing. I, I For two months, I was inside my room. Okay. Just going out to eat, do my exercise, and go back again. Mm-hmm. And my wall was full of formulas. And I was just oh, memorizing <laughs> wall, wall, wall per wall. Yeah. Okay. That's how we do it. Like mm-hmm. All the formulas in the wall. On one side, it's all math. The other side, it's all this. Like a the back, scientist like a, uh, room. Yeah, because there are formulas that you need to memorize and there are some that you can derive. So you have to memorize all the basic ones, make sure that you know it. Anytime yeah. you need it, it's going to come out, mm. right? So as I even sleep, <laughs> I had it all recorded. So I recorded me saying all of these formulas and yeah. as I sleep, it's, it's, it's in here. So in like, my your own, you're like your own podcast <laughs> talking to yourself. <laughs> precisely, <laughs> precisely. And it was on replay every day for the next two months. Holy shit. Wow, that's amazing. And then I started, you know, doing practicing again and again doing the same problem and again and again and trying to also improvise like what if this was asked 
after this question, what if this was asked, this was asked. So I, I continued really exploring different uh, different questions or methods of doing solutions and so on. So good thing is going to the exams, I was confident. And in mm. fact, while I was doing the exam, while everybody is panicking, I was just Chill. playing around, mm. chilling. And during the last day, it's, it's for two days. So the last day, it was the most uh, difficult one, the design. While I was doing it, I felt uh, that I was really slow. Oh. Because in our exam, I think it was our batch were in, initially the board exam would be 30 questions. Okay. First uh, scope, that's gonna, okay. that, those are three scopes. And uh, you'd answer it for like three, four hours. Okay. Right. But it became a hundred questions on our back. What? Oh my god! So it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's overkill. Right. Yeah, well, questions are were a bit simpler. But if you're wrong on the first one, you'll definitely be wrong in the next series of questions because those are series of questions. Right. Right. So I slowed down a bit during okay. the end, and towards the end, that was the only part of the exam where I really took all of the time and finished the exam at the same time that. We were about to end it. Yeah. Mm. But, you came uh, up clutch. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there were questions there that I had to skip. Like, oh, it looks like this one. It looks like this one. Mm. And when the exam results came out, I'm, I was really confident. Like, I will surely pass it. I mean, I was looking for jobs you know, after the exam. Already. Okay. Jobs already. So that's not, not being cocky, but you'd feel that. Like, mm. you'd be you know your chances. You know. yeah, yeah. 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 And in the so, end, how was the result? When the results came out, I was this close to being top 10. Wow. Congratulations. So again, I felt that I didn't do my best. Mm. Because initially, if if I had done my work, I would have been there. So it was again a reminder to do my best in every time. So, so I was like, oh, shucks. That should have been me. Yeah. yeah. Should have been. Me. Yeah. So yeah. Cut the story short. After a few months, I did my first job. All right, now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about what happened on your first job and how you built your career in civil engineering. And how did you go from buildings or civil engineering to engineering the blockchain when you created Viridian Technologies and all the products that you guys create? Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. 
Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Eman Navalan. Told us how he almost became top 10 in civil engineering. What year was this when, when this happened? It was 2013. Wow. That's just also the same year I was struggling as hell. Yeah, but I also got to get funded for the first time ever for my first startup in Justice.ph. I was broke with the whole 2012 and 2011. No, 2012. I was That was just a whole year of being broke and half of 2013. But okay, I want to understand now from your point of view. So you're already confident, but the board exams is literally just to get your license. The real battle is after. Where did you first end up? And what were the things that you learned in during those stints? Yeah, so my plan, I had a plan after okay. that. Like, okay. I wanted to be in a position or in a job where I can accelerate my growth. Because mm-hmm. I, I had to catch up. Like, I had to do this. Okay. There was that push within me, like in me, that I really needed to work harder and my reason is really you know what if i try to go overseas like my father again mm-hmm. going back because father was an ofw i'd, I'd like to look into yeah. you know doing the same thing also mm-hmm. but when i was looking for a job there are a lot of opportunities out there but funny thing is i'd like to be in the position where it, it's gonna be i would say you need a lot of experience before you get there okay so i took in project management or construction management, uh, construction management company. So a management wow. company. Yeah. Well, I was uh, being interviewed. I didn't care about the salary. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was really about accelerating my growth. Got it. There's this fuel in me because of all of that's happened in the year before. Yeah. Uh, that really fueled me to do my best. And is that a path that's typical? Because um, I, I want to understand from mm-hmm. a civil engineering point of view, what are the typical paths there where fresh grads or fresh uh, passport civil engineers uh, typically go to? And how different was the project management path that you took? Well, uh, initially, people would first assess themselves. If they're okay. good at designing, they'd go to a consultancy firm. Okay. That's immediate. Or if they love to see what's happening, they love the thrill of building, they'd go okay. to a, being a contractor or joining a contracting firm okay. or a construction firm. And those who really understands the scene mm-hmm. already or has a background mm-hmm. accelerates their growth in construction management because in construction management, you don't only see your field as a civil engineer. Okay. You actually get to meet the different trades, architecture, mm-hmm. 
electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and whatnot. So because you're managing all of these constructions. So you get to understand what they really do, not deep dive, not to the level of being a contractor right. or being a, a design consultant, but you get everything. Yeah, You'll get to see what they're doing. You'll get to know and understand how they do it. At the same time, you'll get to see how it's being designed, the right. rationale behind it, and so on. So you'll get the experience of understanding it. Of course, you still have to do the work. Hence the growth that you wanted because this allows you to be exposed to all of these things and how, how they cross function what are the cross functionalities. And again, you didn't care about the pay. Is it correct? Because I've been hearing this. People always have this notion, oh my God, my son is already an engineer. Somebody puts a fucking tarpaulin on top of the thing, the board passer or engineer, or whatever. And people think they get paid like fucking crazy right away. That's it. But I heard the pay is shit though at the first few it years. Is. Right. So what was that like? And but how did you compensate it with the growth that you then got that you also wanted? Yeah. First thing that people must understand is if you graduate, if you pass the board exam, mm. you don't have the experience because construction or I would say civil engineering mm. or any type of engineering really uh, for you to get there, you really need to be experienced. Yeah. So that's the reason why I didn't care initially about the salary, because I really wanted to accelerate my growth. So I could get the salary that you want after yeah. that that I wanted, or even go abroad because I have the credentials. Like, oh, I did construction management, so yeah. he knows a bit of this and that, yeah. right? So um, that's true. Like the salary is not really high because you don't know anything. Yeah. You go there learning, mm. understanding. So they are actually providing all of those assets to you. You just have to be there mm. um, to to show up. And really understand and appreciate the process. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I guess most of the younger generation now doesn't really understand. Yeah. That you have to undergo that tedious process of understanding what you really do in order to say that you're an expert in something. Totally. Everybody's an expert now. Mm-hmm. You should appreciate it. Like many people say, I'm, I'm an expert here, there. But no one is. No one ever will be. And at the end of the day, it requires time and uh, repetition and a lot of pain in between for you to even come close to being an expert. You can't be an expert all of a sudden and tell the world, I'm an expert, blah, 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 if you just base it off of TikTok or you just base it off of YouTube and whatnot. Because a lot of experts actually don't just know the top level of how things are doing it. Most of the time, a real expert is someone who's actually built it time and again, failed and put in the work and hours to get it done. So, okay, when you now got into the civil engineering thing and you did construction management, what was then the reward that you got over the X amount of years that your months that you did that basically rewarded that accelerated growth that you were looking for? At first, I was, of course, since I was new, I was just going around. And after a series of, you know, really just hustling and working hard, mm. you'll feel the appreciation. Mm. Like it's coming from different people. Like you're doing good. You're doing good. I wish that I was as good as you are before, or I was as eager as you are before. Most of the time, because during those years when I was studying, it was really different. Your family appreciates you. Like yeah. most of the time, yes, of course, but not a lot of people around you really appreciates what you do because everybody's like students, right? Mm. And they don't know how it feels 
the teachers would appreciate you. That's for one, but that's a different story. But here, your peers are appreciating you. Yes. And they're acknowledging you now that you're doing good. And they even help you in the process of learning. So for me, it was really an experience that shaped me again and made me adopt. And of course, made me even humble. Because at first, during that time, it was a different me. I was idealistic. Say, like should, most people young, do. You should never. Yeah. You should always cling to that idealism. And as you go older, honestly, that's what people lose in their life. Um, because again, life is hard, and all these things they they lower the bar. You should still keep it and mix yeah. it with realism. But ideally, that ambition should always stay there, despite the type of bullshit that life throws at you. So when you said you you were idealistic, can you describe that further? Were you too idealistic over your views and what it should be and where you should be at a certain time. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, it comes in two forms. Some people call it bookish. Okay. Like it's all standards. You do just standard stuff. But for me, it was always being consistent. Idealism through being consistent. Because if you're not consistent at that time or you're not even doing it correctly and you continue the process of you know doing the same thing over and over again you'd be stuck so it's it's for me it was really being consistent like if you commit to me that you're going to deliver this and that make sure that you deliver because if you're not consistent in this i'm sure i cannot really be sure that you can deliver the next few items so or the next few things that we are or activities that we're about to do so managing the whole civil engineering side or just structure side back then and making sure that everything is working together everyone is you're managing people you're managing contractors you're ma- at the end of the day one trade could affect the uh, the other trade because you're working yep. on the same structure so it's really chaotic and if somebody is not doing their job everybody gets affected and the owner would end up paying more yep for the structure because you know it's more time mm-hmm. pay for more labor man hours yep. man hours you know, and whatnot so that really shaped my character in, wherein the bar is really high in terms of expectation. Nice. And expectation in terms of commitments mm-hmm. that I bring until now. Like if you Got commit it. that to me, make sure that you deliver something like that. Got it. And being consistent. Mm-hmm. That yes, you can take your pauses in between. That's fine. There's no problem in that. But you have to be consistent wherein if you're needed, you should be there. You should show up. And you should deliver. Those are the things that I really hold very dear to me. Okay. So after this stint working as a, a construction manager, project manager at this point, did you have any other stints before you... Because at, at the, the one thing that the first comes in, if I go to your LinkedIn, is you're a co-owner right away. Was there any other stints that you need, did you built before you took your first plunge as co-owner of Aldimus Construct? So again, there was uh, yeah, there was a story behind it. Like what happened was while I was doing my construction management, I, I'm not the construction manager there. I was an engineer there, part of the construction management team. Mm-hmm. So I saw that if you're really good and there are things that you want polished and are accomplished, construction would be cheaper and stuff like that. Like that's me being idealistic again. Mm-hmm. But we can do it. Can actually accomplish it. It's just that, you know, we have to work together. Yeah. Right? Like something like that. And collaboration for construction, I would say, goes way back. Because you need 
each and every one, even the workers, even the helpers, even the security guards, mm. even the nurses, even the doctors inside. You need each and every one of them. And that's also one of the key things mm-hmm. that you know made me feel that we need to collaborate as a whole as a country. But yeah, after that, mm-hmm. I got sick because I was working too hard. Okay. I was got it. working too hard. I was stressed. Mm-hmm. And and at the time it was not really me being patient. I was impatient because I was again going back idealistic. Mm-hmm. Um and the culture in construction is uh <laughs> so it's like it's our it's our love period. language. <laughs> yeah, it's our language. It's like it's like yeah. you know uh how we do it in college. Yep. <laughs> right. And it was it was something that that was really a, a thing. Because if you're not loud, you're not saying those foul words, in a way you're not respected. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So you need to be heard, of course. Mm-hmm. And you were young, so you had to prove yourself. A lot of things. So all of those pressure build up and I got sick. And uh, I took a pause from working to analyze it again and process it again. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had these pauses wherein I was able to understand, all right, maybe being an OFW is not really for me. Got because it. if I'm sick, I was diagnosed with hypertension. It was not good. Mm. So I couldn't take care of myself. It's just, it, it's going to carry on and be harder for me and so on and so forth. Mm. And uh, flashes of, you know, what happened to my father came to me and it was not really good. Yeah, anxiety was there. It's not something that you'd like to be in situation like very young so i took a job another job it's a government naman. Mm. just to test it out light naman. i mean like mm. let me try this environment oh, okay. let be light mm. lighter than what it used to be and when i was there i i tried to do my thing but it's really not for me because it was it was laid back and a bit <laughs> i'm not saying it's it's easier yeah because there are tons of tons of work like Paperwork, a lot yep. of paperwork, but for me there there was there was nothing really sparking my my creativity in doing what I love to do, innovating and and trying to adapt uh, into new problems, new situations, and whatnot. So it, it was a repetition. It was a repetition in the in the app. So after that, uh, I decided to you know why not try to this. I was inspired uh, about uh, Megawide at that time. Mega wide. Mega wide. Wow. Because they started very young. Right, right. And I also heard stories about different mm-hmm. yeah, different mm-hmm. contractors that started very young. In fact, one of the stories there were was uh, see Mega Wide. They don't have prior experience, they just started it pure. Wow. No, so the guts and uh, they were even beyond what I was thinking or was mm-hmm. what I was able to do. So it inspired me to build a company together with friends in high school mm. you know, to, to build a company and try it out. Got it. So we were able to create big projects. That Got it. I this is Aldemus already. Yeah. Okay. That, that I didn't even imagine that I would be part of. And wow. I would I would take that as, as a an experience. And there's this sense of gratitude for me in, in allowing me to to extend my knowledge to further enhance myself. Got it. Because initially we were doing buildings and then different projects came in. Industrial naman. So I was like, ah, 
wow. another thing Master. to overcome. Yeah, so different things na naman I had to do it all again. And now I'm at the top. Right. Because uh, prior to that, I was being offered to be a construction manager already right. at a very young age, at one year experience. So I was I was not really prepared for it. Right. Because for me, it was really a, a the responsibility there is really high. And you really ne- needed to make sure that everything is smooth. Everything as much as possible should be smooth. Yep. But that doesn't happen, right? Nope. Sometimes people die. Sometimes uh, things happen inside the site. People get injured, right? get amputated and whatnot. So the responsibility for me, I feel like, you know, if I didn't do my job well and some, something happens, I would have explained, uh, it would have been heavy on me because, you know, their families would be left, you know, fatherless, or I would say, yeah. um, missing one person in their family. So I took the responsibility of me. Because that was open during during uh, the time that we created the company, that opportunity came in. In fact, mm-hmm. we, we had other projects. Yep. Uh, it was a learning curve also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gave us an opportunity uh, to further enhance our skills. And I took on the responsibility and we were able to create a few projects that were really good, a big be part of uh, innovative projects that are industrial. And I was able to meet a lot of uh, businessmen and big people during that time. And it was really humbling because I then learned from them that they themselves are hustling until now. Yeah. It never stops. It just gets bigger. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And the problems just get bigger. More complex. I mean, the more money, the more problems. More money, more problems. The bigger the 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 company, the bigger the problems. Okay. So what were the struggles then at that point from your point, Eman? Because... All right, again, you came from, okay, this young, promising construction manager. You did government, easy peasy, lemon squeezy for you. And now you're one of, if not the head guy, you're, you're, you're part of that. And the, that responsibility is big, but there's other stuff you probably didn't know that existed at that level. And like, oh, what is this? What is going on? That's all of a sudden there's business stuff. It's a totally different thing because obviously this is going to be your crash course into doing Viridian. But what were the struggles you had to then overcome at this level? Because it's not just all about creating construction. There's the business side of this. Plus, you are now working with higher stake individuals. Yeah. At that time, we had to face our lowest lows. Again, for any business when you start, you would have to do everything just to have your first, just to get your first project or first contract, meaning uh, really showcasing that you're capable, showcasing that you're ready, exerting more time. So I had to do all of those things and you have to be the one doing everything. I learned about accounting. I learned about business processing. (laughs) Register your business to SEC, do the mayor's permit by by yourself, (laughs) right? With your team and, you know, get the BIR documents done and so on and so forth. So you had to do all of those things. And it was hard, yes, but it was easier because you had people around you that are willing to adopt as well. Like everybody was really hungry to make this a success. Yeah. So we we really helped each other out. So I would say even the government experience was really something that's good because I was really able to understand that. And most people say that the government is so idle. Mm. 
In fact, they're not. Mm-hmm. But it's just that the work is repetitive because they had to. If they hadn't, I mean, we wouldn't have these projects. Yep. Like you have to have like people do the same thing again and again because it's needed because you have to process a lot of documentations and whatnot. Right. So I had to, again, that experience of the patience in doing that allowed me to do all of these documentations here now. Yeah. Processing all of this and going back and forth. Oh, cool lang ka neto. You're missing this document. You have to go back there and get back to us after a few hours. Right. So I do that every day, every day. So it, it took it took me two months to do the documents. Oof. That takes uh, you know a regular you know, somebody who knows it uh, or does it really takes uh, just a month, right, or even less. So it took me like two months, and it was really hard <laughs> at that time. And aside from that, you had to do your accounting. You had to understand about VAT, you know, the different taxes Ooh. and the filing and whatnot. So shit, nobody wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that time, we weren't even capable of you know uh, sustaining ourselves. Wow, that's so. Crazy. And and the painful reality of being contractor is that initially you would have to rely on your the money that you've saved and the people around you if they are they are willing to help you it's like the same thing doing doing startups right so it's it's actually a startup also but it's more traditional but it's the same right. thing you have your your angel investors or family or i would say you ask them for loans you ask yep. them for for favors and whatnot so they re- they really help us a lot like our families our friends mm-hmm. were able to help us and we were able to grow in in very fast again Yep. Uh, and the opportunity that was given to us was being, again, going back, construction management. Yep. We were hoping that we but become contractors. Yes, now it's ours. Now, it's right. ours. And now my million-dollar question here, Emin, uh, before we take our last break, is that, dude, you're doing well. And this was right in your lane from 2016 to 2021. Where did the... Where did the, the the career change all of a sudden happen? How did we become from construction management to construction contract contractor whatever? How did blockchain all of a sudden come into your life? Yeah, so during the time that I was working, so in order to be sane, okay. uh, I play games. Ah. I'm a Is it gamer. Taxi? Is it Axie? No, no. Okay. I didn't. Uh, well, I had Axie, but I didn't really play okay. that much. I just what got you and... into the blockchain uh, phenomena? So it was back 2016. So I was playing. People around, hey, what's Bitcoin stuff like that? Okay. You know? uh, it's down, it's cheap. You know, they're they're free, uh, you you get you get money out of this. You know, uh-huh. you, you earn profits, x amount of money. And I said, you know, why not try it out? Like I have a few hundred thousand. And just, mm-hmm. just put, put it there. And funny thing is, I put it, at, uh, I place it at my friend's. <laughs> what? <laughs> under my friend's name. Okay. A, a friend, in a way. Okay. That I knew was doing all of those Bitcoin things. Oh, no. And then a few months later, it was, you know, they were part of a scam. Oh, my God. I, I was I was scammed. I was scammed. And we, we all were. That was the. Shit. If you recall, that was that was really big during 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, and and it was actually used for other purposes. Like they were betting uh, futures, oh or I I, I I can't remember. Eesh. But that was my first stint in in blockchain mm. web three. So it was like it was not that good. It's really not that good. 
Mm-hmm. So, since I was really okay and doing well naman in construction, I didn't really thought about it that much. Mm-hmm. I just gave the money and, and then realized that I shouldn't be doing that. Okay. So, after I, I was calm, there's just something in me that, you know, I, I want to look into this, that, that kind of feeling. Because I was you know, doing a lot of things and it was for me, learning new things was really making me sane. Like, all right, so I needed more. I need to understand more, going deeper. That's, that's really me. Mm-hmm. So I started reading about white papers. Mm-hmm. So being technical and, and then going back to what I usually am, going to the basics, like, I don't understand the thing yep. initially. So I was like, I should understand this. There is a way to understand. I, I have to make it as easy as possible for me to understand. I mean, I, I, I structured it in a way that's comparable to construction. Mm. That's what I did. Makes sense. Like in, or in engineering, what we do is like, you have all of these complex computation, but at the very bottom, it's just like understanding that there's force mm. and there's area and that's it. Got you it. just have to make sure that that doesn't break, Got right? It. So same thing for blockchain. I try to understand why it's immutable. Why is it good? What's what good is it gonna be for mm-hmm. for me in my industry in construction and in whatever I do? And slowly it sparked something in me, and that was the time during the pandemic where I was raising my daughter and the family, of course. Mm-hmm. I then realized that I needed more. I had to be more present at home, right? Because when you do construction, most of the time you're not here. With the hard so, hat on. Yeah. So like seven days a week, you're wow. out there. Wow. Because construction usually six days a week. Yep. It's until Saturday. And yep. your Sunday is a time wherein you go around, mingle with other people, understand what they're doing, go back again, report, or even visit them, join them, or meet with them, dine with them, and so on. So yeah. it was it was really seven days a wow. week for construction. So I had to be more present at home. So mm-hmm. then I decided, you know, with my friends when I was, when I, we were gaming, like we, we were talking about those things. I sparked the conversation. You guys know about Bitcoin. You, know, you guys know about this and that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, slowly we were discussing more deeper every yeah. time we play like every time you play oh, it's gonna be like <laughs> do you think it's gonna go up gonna go down those right. kind of things you know do you think this new mm-hmm. iteration of blockchain would be better than the previous one or the older ones and so on it's just like sharing information and it was really exciting for me so during that time i was doing trades because i had to like construction was not really doing that well because mm-hmm. You're a, what you're doing is management consultant, uh, consultancy. Right. And if projects are facing problems, like you go down because the banks, ship. yeah, because banks are not able to provide loans, loans, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they had to make sure that they stay afloat. So you're the first guys to be out because you're not needed in construction anyways. Correct. You're not going to manage a lot of people anyway. So, so. Yeah you can let go of some consultants and that would be us, right? Managing them because they can manage it anyways. Correct. It's just that uh, you're more specialized than them, but same thing, you can manage it. Wow. So 
during that time, I was really craving stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's where it all started. I mean, I realized that, you know, maybe we should use this platform, the transparency features and mutability in some mm-hmm. good ways. And I tried to understand different networks. Mm-hmm. I was really into, I was not into NFTs, to be honest. In fact, there was there is a sad story with NFT that I don't want to mention also that I bought <laughs> and now it's flying. I bought it. Okay. I sold it very, very early. Okay. Lang, uh, magdouble lang. I sold okay. it. I, it's a very small amount at the time. And right. I didn't know that it would 1,000x. Oh like my that. God. 10x or, or even more 100x pang ata, the peak. Oh my God. So it was, it was my, it was a sad story. But, you know, uh, I didn't uh, really dug deep into NFTs because I was really a, a guy for infrastructure. Yep. That's in your nature. Being an engineer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really dug deep into that and understood that there are a lot of areas to cover mm-hmm. and that there are a lot of iterations that has to be done in order for it to be tailor-fitted to a certain industry. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was talking about, you know, having the possibility of having a private and public blockchain, which Paul Soliman is doing now. Yeah. So those were... Uh, the iterations back then uh, mm. I see that's lacking this is lacking that's lacking yep. and then I I even that's when everything started you know alright well it was not just me it was also the group so Got we decided alright are you ready to do this we all had our own businesses by the way and most of us really dropped it like alright wow. let's do this <laughs> what like are these that. people yeah. that you were talking about uh, are these your high school friends or are these their no, 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 no. crypto friends they're the gaming friends gaming friends that's yeah. amazing but okay yeah. last question before we take our last break why go all in I know in the pandemic you needed to be home I understood now why you had to go but that's a scary shit especially if somebody's thriving somewhere and you go all in on Again, on, on uncharted territories, on uncharted waters. That's scary. And how did you then decide, all right, let's, let's all jump in together? At that time, I had a lot of contingencies. At that time. Nice. I, like, I was like, well, startup life is, is very famous for removing contingencies in your life. <laughs> yes. And, oh and I would say that it was, you know, you can never be prepared in nope. any circumstance, especially if you're handling or you're doing tech. Nope. It's if fucked you're doing up, man. Tech, <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. fucked up. That's true. So good thing is that we have a tech guy with us. Mm. We had a lawyer with us. Mm. We had somebody who's good in marketing. So it was, in a way, it seemed like we had people doing trading already. Nice. Who, that's, that's their profession. And somebody who's really bringing in investors also. So yeah. it's like a complete team in a way because we were all playing and it was mm. really just like some of us really did drop our, our full-time jobs and even our businesses mm-hmm. some did not some some still did it decided so because they need to. Mm-hmm. yeah but for me i was i was thinking at the time that i was really prepared you know like, i have four contingencies and this is gonna go well anyway so <laughs> I was all positive. You have yeah. to be like, if you you're starting to. something, you, you have, have to be really positive because it's going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. Like uh, your positivity would be 100 and after a year, it's going to be 50% something. Like right. that. So yeah. you have to stay 
positive as positive as you can be every time. So. You have to be irrationally optimistic. Sometimes. Yeah, I, I call it now uh, after watching the series, constant optimism. Yep. Like you have to have that constant optimism. You sh- it shouldn't be that high. At the same time, you sh- you sh- it shouldn't be negative so that Correct. we can carry on every day. Yep, absolutely. Especially if you are the founder and CEO. All right, now let's look at our last break. And when we come back, we'll now talk about VTI and what are the things, well, why did they go dev shop model? Why did they, what are the products that are building? And again, the punches that they got, because it ain't easy. If you think construction is, is hard, bruh, startups is hella hard. We'll talk about that more after. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTimeDeposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. 
not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. For the break. And we're back from the break. We are still with Emma Navalano. Then uh, didn't know what that there was a big boulder that is going to be dropping into him. So Viridian, obviously, it's it. To, to, uh, I'm just looking at the LinkedIn. This is a dev shop, right? VTI, you're you created yeah. a dev shop to build blockchain products. Walk me through how you built the team, and then what's the the goal? Where are you going to be? A service business because we've talked to so many service business mm-hmm. founders here. Just recently, again, Paul Soliman, Arup Mighty. Mm-hmm. I had a dev shop before, and it's one of the mm-hmm. fucked up, most fucked up cash business because there, there's no cash. Everything's stuck on AR in accounts receivable because nobody pays on time. But walk yeah. me through the thought process here. Why why go dev shop first? Was that something you really wanted to do to keep things afloat and build products or you just really wanted to build blockchain for people? So initially, you have to start with the lean team. So the main focus of that, uh, of VPI is really to develop blockchain solutions and that's Tetrix, mm-hmm. the ecosystem there. Mm-hmm. And inside Tetrix, initially, it was really a, a layer zero network. Mm-hmm. It was really a public, private thing and that would communicate to different networks because that's the one that's missing. Mm-hmm. And after we were able to initially do our research and our white paper, layer zero came out out of nowhere. It's like, oh, there's a group <laughs> doing the same thing. Holy shit. <clears throat> okay. And funny thing is, we, we, we realized at that point that it's going to take us so much resources to build it. And at the end of the day, this is very important. Most people don't realize this. You have to actually understand where you're going to position yourself because understanding that makes you realize that you need to pivot a bit, change your business model a bit. Because if there are tons of networks out there saying that they're better, faster, and so on and so forth, right? At the end of the day, who's going to use you? None. Because there's too many alternatives. And you yes. need to find your niche. Uh, and again, pick your own battles. And when you pick your own battles, guys, you want to pick your own battles that you have a good chance of winning, not just another participant. Right? And yes. is that what you guys did? So you did you pivot the, the initial version of Tetrix because layer zero is there. And how did you then carve yourself a niche that you, you'd, you won't go head to head with a potential giant? Yeah, well, uh, it's still there though our models in there, but we had to change it a bit wherein we need to create solutions 
that would be used by people and Petrix Network would be the one handling it Got after it. some other years. Okay. Uh, now, you still need it eh? because the solution of layer zero doesn't really work for all networks. Again, no. there are flaws. Yep. And you're trying to target a different set of group. Our niche is really enterprise. But it's really B2B2C, something like that. Like we enable businesses by providing them tools so they could offer that to their customers. Mm-hmm. So it's like just providing you tools. And if every time you use our uh, our system, our platform, right, you earn from it. And the data that's needed uh, to be uh, minted into the blockchain is going to be under the network if it really grows. So, so at that time, we were looking into, you know, how do we start? Like, uh, what solution is really needed by Filipinos? Then realized and came to a conclusion that everybody needs a digital version of their wallet, their physical ones. Like, that was the ideology. Mm-hmm. How you use it, like how you use it now. Mm-hmm. Go out, go to a store, open up your, your wallet, pay, that's it. If you need your IDs there, there's a placeholder for IDs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you have you can have your photos there. So it was really pointing to one solution, specific solution, which is providing your self-custodial wallet. That. that would enable you to control different transactions. May it be sending money, receiving money, putting it somewhere, or sharing your ID, sharing your information, mm-hmm. like to whoever person, because it's the same thing that, that we want to mimic in a digital version. Got it. So that's our iteration. And while doing that, we realized that there are a lot of missing pieces again. Mm. And we saw that this is something that's big. The Tetrix link, wherein you want all of your IDs and data there. It's not just NFTs, because NFTs could be data, I would say, yes. It could be photos. It could be something else. But what if it's Web2, which is not blockchain, and you want it there inside the wallet? So you have right. to have something that, in a way, mimics that. Gotcha. That's still, that's still self-custodial. Right, makes sense. Now, right, so you have I want, the 2.5. Yeah. I want to understand. So yeah, Web 2.5, somewhere in between Web 2 as we know it now, and then obviously Web 3. But I want to understand the type of demand. Because again, there's this, the dev shop side of it, and there's the product. It's hard to do both. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> first of all, you're not the only game in town. There's a lot of people. Yes. And then if yeah. you have to get people... To, to, to onboard, I'm not sure how how fast they are in paying. Maybe they pay in crypto, whatever that is, um, and whatnot. But how did you then create the demand for this? Or even uh, if if there was demand, how did you get the clientele to get this done? Because it's a ju- it's, it's a juggling act, creating products and building dev shops. There's only a select few that I've been able to see that were able to do it right. Even the ones that have been trying to do this for the longest time, like for example, Simp from Albert and uh, and Dave Overton, struggled a lot mightily because they started mm. out as a dev shop where technically all they wanted to do is build products. And they mm-hmm. almost died several times. Until now, they, they pretty much shit product on product on product. But it took years, all, over a decade even, to get that yes. that mix right, how did you guys do that from service, building shit for other people, 
and then also building the Tetrix ecosystem um, and also making money off of that. So what we did is, we know that this is going to take time, development of Tetrix and, and all the services under it. Uh, it's going to take time. So what we did is we are, we took in work or projects that are related to it. Mm. So that we would not be, you know, just, just creating a solution that we are not going to use ourselves. Got it. So that's what we we focused on, those types of projects, projects that are in the Web3 space, projects that are Web2.5, projects that has something to do with data, projects that would somehow use our Pitaka, our uh, self-custodial wallet, and so on and so forth. So that's what we're trying to do uh, again and again. So, How did you get those those projects? Because, I mean, again, being not, a, I have always been openly honest with this. I am not a Web3 person. I understand at the end of the day, you're going to go back and it's the same hustle anyway, right? I don't care what yeah, the fuck yeah. you're doing, but yeah. you're going to have to hustle. So that's a common denominator across everyone that I've interviewed here and I can relate. But where do you even get these projects that are Web3 related? Because they're not out there in the open. I need that. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. So you're going to have to be no, specialized no, no. in how you identify those types of work. I guess I would say since uh, they've been re- hearing about us, Mm-hmm. So, so word of mouth. There, there had there had been opportunities when we were able to sit down with different people, talk about our projects, and then realize that we can work together. And then ended up, you know, what if you can do this? What if you can do that with us? And so on. So that was just how it happened. Like we had to be there, out there, showcasing what we're trying to do, and you know, uh, it it just came in. No, okay. I I think it's 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 mutually beneficial for both. Uh, for all our, our clients and friends, yeah. But in the world Partners. of Web three, do they still have the old uh, problem of not paying on time, <laughs> or is it also uh, it's all, through it's all, What? It's a mix of both. Like you'll have oh, those you have because you you're all trying to survive in a way during of the course. spare market, right? So it's it's like it's really hard, but with proper communication, you can you can really. Uh, bridge that yep. gap, right? So just hardware during payroll, though. <laughs> yeah, time. yeah. So <laughs> it, it's it's uh. been a problem uh, for all, and I'm gonna say all because you, you've been seeing left and right projects that are lay, uh, laying off thirty yep. percent of their employees, seventy percent max. Yep. I even know a lot of projects that are are now gone that are bigger than us. So yes. it's just like being prepared. No one is. No one is. Even us. We're not prepared for for that. Talking about contingencies, right? <laughs> so, what happened to your four contingencies? Did. Well, one is also a fail, which is oh, it's, it's a big hit, Sana, mm-hmm. because it's in the fintech industry. But it was, man, it was it, it didn't do well. I I had a lot uh, of my my contingencies placed there. Aside from that, I do tradings and that yep. uh, there that also got, that you're in yeah. control. But there are things yeah. that you can't control there too. Where I also became a bit greedy uh-huh. and I lost a huge amount of money Holy as shit. well. So I gained a lot. Yes, I lost a lot. Yep. Something like that. So it was a constant up and downs. And I would say right now, my contingency only is really for the family. Yeah. So uh, it's just, you know, prioritizing what you really want. Like at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. So is it is it really just for you just to feed into your 
passion or I would say internal ego. I call my passion internal ego. So yep. it's like I'm fueling myself. <laughs> like, I'm not going to showcase that, but it's yeah. really just fueling myself that I am needed somewhere. Right? So mm. it's really my internal ego. Got it. So, what's, what, what's the thing that about startup life, Emin, that you didn't see coming? Because of course, you've already been, I mean, well well documented in your experiences just in the construction alone. And a lot of things I think that in your construction life, in your engineering life applies here. Being able to yeah. be adaptable, hustling, discipline, being idealistic, that carries on. But there are some things about tech and Web3 that's unique to it. That's just fucking, you, you, you can't prepare for. What were those things? And what did you learn? I, I would say it's about being prepared financially. Yeah. Like, Tech really evolves in a few months. Yep. If you're not there at the right time and you're not creating solutions at the right time, you'll be basically wasting money. And aside from that, uh, for startups, it's really pitching. I mean, if you're doing construction, just go out there. Oh, this this is my experience. Oh, I'll get you because construction, it's booming at the time, right? Build, 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 and all of that. So it's easier because um, you just have to show that this is what you do, this is what you're capable of doing, and people will get you because there's this demand, right? Mm-hmm. But in the tech industry, it's really your solution that has to be in demand. It's not you, it's your solution. Correct. Right? So you have to pitch that. Like it's actually needed, but people don't just understand the, the, the technology. People understand it as a scam, people understand it as crypto, people understand it as NFTs which has a bad reputation already because of people losing money. Correct. Because they're not educated. Mm. Same as me. I lost money even if I, I was educated because I was greedy. Right. Right. So it was really, uh, I would say, uh, that, that pitching, the whole pitching thing and, you know, pivoting while you're pitching, like, this is this is a new thing. This is this is something that I must do in order for me to be relevant because the tech really changes a few months mm-hmm. after a few months, right? And uh, it's not the same for construction, not that much. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why until now they still use same equipments, right? Same construction methodologies, materials changes, yes, yes, but. There's this standard already. So Correct. in emerging technology, there's no standard. You have to figure You're it out. You're creating your own. You have mm-hmm. to figure it out. So those are the things that that are really hard for, for any startup. You want to create a solution for this. It's not actually your technology that you're selling. right? It's really the solution. It's like yep. If this solution is meant for enterprises, what problem is it solving? Correct. You also have to understand their pain points. At, at a level wherein you're actually doing it. For example, if you're creating solutions for edutech, mm-hmm. for education, you're creating edutech uh, solutions, you have to be really like a teacher, understanding you know, what are the pain points of day-to-day teachers and so on. So in our case, in blockchain, it's, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. right? You must understand that, that specific uh, sector or, or niche mm-hmm. you're trying to solve. So in our case, we were really into like, uh, how to make it easier for people to hold their assets or hold their their data and be in control of that most of the time because our data is out there. Correct. So we wanted to 
actually help people to monitor the use of that data and at the same time allow you to dispute every time that it's it's being misused. So that's what people don't understand yet because they're looking at it like pitaka is this pitaka? No, no, it's more than that. Like yeah. pitaka is front facing. It's, it's that, a tool that's needed to do that. That takes a journey to do that. But walk me through real quick before we we wrap this baby up. What are the products now? Let's talk about the product side. So obviously you have the Tetrix network. That's a technically, if you just simplify it, it's an API for connecting Web three to Web three. A little bit, is it correct? It's like an API connecting Web three to Web. It's almost right. Almost again. I'm just using jargon. I mean, basic jargon. It functions almost the same, but technically, it's like that a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If you want (laughs) a deep dive, talk to Eman. Okay, not. So there are a lot of people guy. here to talk to us. Right. And I'm not ever going to pretend like I am, right? There, there are legit Web3 guys here and Emin's one of them. Uh, so again, talk to him if you want to talk. That's a totally <laughs> different rabbit hole I'm not willing to go down on. <laughs> I'm not I, even an expert also. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, we're uh, all learning. We're I'm all, learning. all at the hustle level only, okay? That's the common <laughs> denominator. But yeah, Evan, before we wrap this baby up, what are the products that you technically are building and what's next for you guys in in Tetrix and Viridian and um, you know what, what you guys are building up? So right now, after we created our first wallet that allows mm-hmm. you to approve uh, different kinds of transactions, that's uh, a vital component. Uh, we are now integrating data into... The system wherein you would actually approve every time you use specific data, or I would say, um, for simpler terms, you know, ID certificates or whatnot, right? And we're actually creating solutions right now for people to not line up when they when they renew their documents, IDs, or even fetch their documents and IDs, mm-hmm. because this has been a problem ever since, not just in our system with the government, but really in our day-to-day lives in, in the private, in, uh, in our schools, you go back to the schools. Right? Yep. If you go, you want to get your diploma, you want to get this and get that, you have to go to the school, line up. What if you're in OFW? That's a problem. And you have to buy in red ribbon and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So we wanted to, in a way, create, uh, we're actually creating a solution on, on that. Authenticating documents to make sure that you get the right documents from the right sources. And that's verified so that you wouldn't need to line up and and pay so much just to get it. All right. Sounds good. And again, thank you very much, Eman. Super excited for you guys. And again, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be the last time we're going to be talking. We'll we'll see you after a few more battling years (laughs) in in, in startup life. Hate to say it, but again, I love it when people just come through and trudge on because it's not easy. I don't care how you think. I mean, a lot of people really come through here and say, ah, I was thriving in my old shit. This should be easy. Dude, this is like going. You know, it's like going to the Hunger Games, man. You go to the (laughs) Hunger Games and everybody fucking is dead. Only Katniss survives. You have to be Katniss, right? Yes. It's really fucked up. But again, I'm happy for you guys and super excited for what you guys are building, but invite people over. Where do they check this out? What Whatever you do. And again, if they want to jump into the rabbit hole with you, where do they go and how do they do that? So, yeah, uh, if you want to reach out to us and learn more about us, you can go to tetrix.xyz. 
or visit our Facebook page and uh, reach out to us through our email if you want to. We're actually hiring right now if you're a developer in blockchain space and are looking to work in, into solutions like ours, just uh, email us. And I'd like to take this opportunity also to invite people. Uh, my other hat being also part of the Blockchain Council of the go. Philippines because we have recently conducted the meeting and we wanted to invite members now to to join who's in the council the council it's actually led by uh sir donald Lim. okay shout out so we have we have uh, by the way if you want to if you want to check out uh donald Lim's uh origin story i've had him way 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 back in the show just check it out (laughs) he sold stuff in burger king okay oh there Mm -hmm. henry aguda of uh union digital bank yes uh, we also have Jong from Gcash. We also have Marco Reseta. Mm, uh, sure we also lawyer. have, yeah, we also have Gail from DynaQuest, Cherie from Scarlet Box. We also yes. have Paul Soliman. Shout out! Yes, sir. Yeah, we also have uh, Noel from from Impero Group that's located in Afab, doing all of those free uh, free zone um, mm. licensing for cryptocurrencies. Mm. By the way, it's also enacted by uh, by law so uh, you can you can now do that uh, most people don't understand it yet but it's, it's a good way for us to legalize our businesses in web mm-hmm. 3 we also have uh, a lot of other people like 15 people there we have Lito Villanueva also oh, wow. from RCBC. Civic Alliance mm-hmm. yeah and we also have mention a few there are a lot as Cheska Gonzalez yep and lot, I've had lot, her on the show more. I've had Lito on the show again so again these are legit people so if you had them on the show, that means they legit. Again, Eman, thank you so much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. If you see a five-star, give us a five-star again. Let us know if, if this is even something that you like uh, and that, that feedback matters. And again, it's going to be in the show notes. If we did say some jargon, show notes on healthshare.com. And guys, we have a new show coming up. If you need to freaking know about a deep dive about how to become a founder, a better leader, a better decision maker, we have a brand new podcast called Founders Only or Hustle Share Presents Founders Only. So look it up. We're also going to put that in the description box of this podcast. It's also going to be a YouTube podcast, by the way. So you now get to see my ugly ass face as we talk to founders and discuss their journeys again thank you so much i mean yeah a pleasure pleasure to be here Ron. appreciate it and i'll see you guys in the next episode peace